This is episode 584 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, Grid Down, How Big, How Long, How Can You Tell? Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version, with some commentary, of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, I wanted you to know that the HydroBlue VersaFlow is back in stock. I haven't been talking too much about it recently because HydroBlue had it back ordered, but now it's back in stock. And I just want to let you know the VersaFlow is one of the most versatile water filters out there it's currently made that it's it's a personal water filter but it's also can be converted into a family-sized water filter and so i believe so much in this product that i created a how-to tutorial on how to use it and how to turn it into a family-sized water filter and i even have it uh, in a pdf form so that you can download it so if you would like to find out a little bit more information on the VersaFlow, I have a link in the show notes so you can go directly over there. And here's the great thing. It's under $25 and I have a coupon code where you can get 20% off. So again, guys, that's going to be in the show notes if you want to go and check that out. So let's go ahead and jump into our article of the podcast. Our article comes to us from Beans, Bullets, Bandages, and You. And it's one of those topics that all of us really, in the back of our mind, kind of it's there. And we know that if it ever went to this point, then it would be really, really bad. And so, I, you know, these, these topics can be very easily considered doom porn. And you can kind of, you know, go there and like, oh, Todd's trying to scare us and all that kind of stuff. I do think it's one of those things where we should take into account how scary it could be and the fact that really our grid is not very stable. I mean, it's very fragile and not only is it old and there's places, you know, out there where it is, you know, just the infrastructure is not built up like you would want it to be, then it's susceptible very easily to cyber attacks and cyber terrorism and all of that stuff. And so this article doesn't go all that into it. It's more just kind of getting you geared towards that. Um, I know that Salty talks a little bit here in this article about, or he, he says things here that I kind of consider as well. And so I think I'm going to give a little bit of commentary as we go along. It's not a very long article, but again, one of those that I consider uh, that you should at least take into account, put a little bit of thought into it. All right, so let's go ahead and jump in. Again, the article is entitled Grid Down, How Big, How Long, How Can You Tell? The Grid Down. We all know what happens when the power fails. Lights go out, appliances in use kick off, the noises of daily life fade, and fans spin down. Sometimes it's harder to tell at first glance how big of an outage it is and how long will the power be out. Now, a while back, a 3BY reader, Michael, and yes, we have two of them, so Michael, if you don't recognize the question, it came from the other Michael, posted a question following the publication of our article, Grid Down Food Tips and Tricks. And guys, there's a link here if you're interested in that one. Not only did he ask a question, he shared some additional information. 
So this is Michael, and this is in quotes. Interested in any input as how I am going to decide just how bad the power outage is. For example, I have two multi-frequency weather radios, one in a Faraday cage, and one I use daily. If there is a power outage, my internet and TV is gone, so I listen to see if there is radio action going. If so, not electromagnetic pulse, or EMP, as both radio stations are working and my radio is also working. And if the radio has no signs of life, I take out the Faraday cage radio, put in the batteries, as to avoid drained batteries and battery damage to radio, and listen in again. No signals, then I expect EMP has occurred, and thus SHTF is live. End quote. Now this reminds me of a story that I shared way back when 3BY was new, but I will retell it here now via the power of cut and paste. One thing to remember about my story is that we live in a location that people will be wanting to bug out to, not bug out from. So, instant quiet. One second I was writing a description for an upcoming 3BY podcast. The next second I was sitting in my recliner, keyboard in hand, staring out into absolute blackness. I grabbed my phone and clicked the screen on. It came up immediately. Okay, so no EMP. That's good to know. All right, so let me break in Break in here in uh, to Salty's story. This is funny because this happened to me this weekend, actually Sunday, uh, as I was kind of going over my notes for my message for, uh, for church, um, our electricity kicked off, right? And so the first thing I do, and so I have those lights that are connected to the electricity, right? They're, they're in a power outlet. And so when it recognizes that there's no electricity going through, it kicks on. So that one immediately kicked on and I, you know, I saw, you know, I had lights, whatever, but I grabbed my phone and, uh, you know, looked at, looked at my phone. That was the first thing I did. And so I know a lot of people probably do the same type of thing. You know, how bad is this? Um, you know, it was still, there was uh, sunlight starting to come through the windows and things like that. Um, but you know, we're in, uh, we're in Houston, we're in Texas. It's starting to, I mean, I guess we're still in spring, um, but it is hot. I mean, it's very easily, you know, 95 degrees getting up there into the hundreds. I know Sunday it felt like it, or Saturday, it felt like it was 105, yeah, even in the evening time. And so, you know, it's one of those things to consider, you know, because things can start heating up really, really quickly. And so luckily it wasn't one of those things where the power was out for a very long time. Now, because I have uh, a hotspot on my on my phone, I'm able to, and my computer was still going. I had battery, you know, uh, I was it was connected to the to the electricity, so I had a, a decent uh, amount of battery in my laptop. I was able to, you know, set my hotspot going and then I was able to go check it and, you know, our I guess the 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 group that takes care of the lines here, and so it's kind of weird. I don't know what it's like in other places, but uh, Centerpoint Energy is in control of the electricity lines, right? So they they take care of the gas, but also the electricity lines. But electricity is purchased; it's like bought and sold, almost kind of like on a market. So I don't really, I, I'm not going to pretend to understand how that's all how that all goes down. But anyway, so there's companies out there that buy and sell electricity. So our electricity isn't through Centerpoint. We have another electricity provider that we pay. And I guess they rent the power or they rent the lines from Centerpoint. 
And so, you know, that's how it, how it goes down. But whenever you're wanting to know if your electricity is down or why it's down or whatever, you can always bring up, it's called the center point outage map. And so, you know, you can go and you can search for it and brings it right up. And then you can even drill down to your neighborhood and see how many people are without electricity. So if it's just, you know, one or two people, you know, it's something just specific to your home. But if it's like the whole neighborhood or the whole, you know, a street or whatever, you know that it's something a little bit bigger, right? And so this one was, there was a lot of things going on. And what was worse is it wasn't just an outage. It looked like it had like tools, like, you know, there was like a, a bigger thing going on. Now, luckily we didn't have to, like I said before, we didn't have to wait too, too long. It came up probably in about 20 minutes, but anyway, you know, that's one of those things that you can do. So in your area, wherever you're at, I don't know if center point still runs the lines. I know center point's pretty big. And so it, it could still control the lines or take care of the lines where you're at. So you might want to find out what that map is now, right? And so go search for it, find out if there is an outage map, and then you might want to bookmark it to make it easier for you to find maybe on your phone if you can, you know, if you can do that on your phone or maybe on a laptop if you have the same type of setup where you can uh, set up a hotspot or a tablet or whatever. But then you're able to see because a lot of the times what CenterPoint will do is it when you click over it, it'll tell you how long that outage is going to be or an estimate. And so they'll say, you know, hey, you know, it's like 30, going to be 30 minutes away or an hour away. And a lot of the times it's a lot less than what they say. So that's always good. So anyway, I think that's a valuable tool to have. So, you know, technology makes life a little bit easier in a lot of ways. And this would be one where you would be able to instantly know how long you're going to be out if it was just, you know, because of the, the lines being down or whatever. All right. So let's go ahead and continue on here. So I got up out of my chair and walked outside. Pitch black. The town was bathed in starlight. I could hear cars driving around, further evidence that it was a grid-down-only scenario. Now, as a journalist associated with a local newspaper, I decided to do a bit of investigating. I hopped into my car to see how much of the town was blacked out. The sky was really dark, so I was pretty sure all the streetlights were off, but I was curious. I was also curious to see people's reaction. Now, I drove uptown, that's downtown to you city slickers, and found several cars stopped in the middle of the street. The people were leaning out of their windows chatting. This may seem strange to those not accustomed to it, but around here, it's a time-honored tradition to park in the middle of the street and talk. Even the police do it, and everybody knows if two people are talking, just pull around them to the outside. No big deal. I drove on past one bank, then the other. Yep, both of their lights were on. Both generators were working. I drove past three different convenience stores and I was absolutely baffled to see what I did. All the lights were off except the lotto numbers signs, which were all on. Apparently those things have battery backups. Who knew? I pulled into the newspaper where pretty much all hands had gathered and we got on social media. The power was dead, but Facebook was hopping. Literally hundreds of residents were on their phones sharing information about the lights being out as well as where the lights were on. You can read the rest of the story by clicking on the link if you like. All right, so again, there's a link there. Now, okay, I want to just two things here, point out two things. 
Number one, I completely know what Salty is talking about when you are in a city and you're used to seeing lights and, you know, it's just, you know, you have the, all that light pollution, I guess, is uh, one way to call it. And then when the lights go down and it is dark and it's just like eerie dark. And that actually happened to us not too long ago, um, maybe about two or three years ago, where we had a substation, uh, had a big fire and we were going to be down probably, I, I think they said at least a day or a two. And it was going, it was, you know, one of those, again, living in Houston and being in Texas, it was hot. And so we decided to go ahead and pack up and, and go to my parents that live not too far away from here. And so as we were doing that, um, you know, and, you know, I just, I wrote an article. What I was trying to say is I wrote an article about all of this. And uh, there was a couple of different things that point out. And now that I'm thinking about that article, I was just going to just regurgitate everything that was in that article, but uh, maybe not. The, the real point that I want to say here is that it was just very dark. And I just remember how dark it was. And that was just something that just came to everybody's attention. And so if there was any lights out, so if, you know, here pitch black, if your car was on and driving around, you noticed that light. If someone had light in a window, right, or in their house, you noticed that. You Because if someone was, you know, I guess, if someone was, you know, going around with the flashlight, you noticed it because it was so dark that any light uh, up against that darkness would show up. And so, you know, when people talk about that, if you were in a true poop hit the fan situation, that you would want blackout curtains or something to black out your windows. I mean, I can understand that that would be very true because you wouldn't have the lights on and all those different kinds of things. And But any kind of light that you would see, even just, you know, kind of coming through a little bit would make a big difference and would be very, very noticeable on that. The other thing is that social media, and I've been very down on social media, and I have really have toned down my consumption of Facebook and Instagram and have really tried not to go there at all and only doing it for things that I feel like are necessary to do. But Facebook and Instagram, or well, Facebook and social media uh, is a powerful way to go because people are going to be on there communicating. Again, when we had... Uh, big floods here before we had Hurricane Harvey we had the tax day floods and and man those days you could get online and you can find out you could find out so much information I mean people were just saying hey I need to get from here to here and you know is it safe is it passable and you know people would respond I was just over there and no that street is not passable or yeah you're clear all the way right and so that's one way that social media is very powerful and, you know, you gather a lot of information. So when he's talking about here that Facebook was hopping, I completely understand that because that's one place that people will go. Another place, if you didn't want to go to social media, as far as one of the big ones, you know, the, the next door app, that's another place where I know that at least my neighborhood, they're pretty active. And so you can get a lot of information that way. And again, I, I know that I've written about that before here in the past. All right. So let's go ahead and continue on with this article. Now, around here, everybody knows everybody else. We know that these streets are safe to walk at night without worrying about anybody attacking us, normally. To be fair, right now, our streets are rather full of potholes after a brutal winter for them. So you stand a vastly bigger chance of spraining an ankle than you do of being attacked 
by anything other than the neighbor's yappy little ankle biter dog that was let out for its nightly bathroom break. Now, when the lights go out here, the sky goes absolutely dark in town. But if you go to the edge of town during most power outages, you can see the rural lights. We are on a different power substation than the surrounding area north and east of town, so it's common for one to be down and the other to be up. In the city, or the burbs, you may be in the dark, but if a significant portion of the city within 50 miles of you still has power, you should still see the orange glow. We can't. Now, if there's a big weather event, if it's storming, if there's a huge amount of wind, if there's been ice, then you know it's most likely a local or regional event. We are going to set those situations aside because they don't really affect figuring out the extent of the outage. As Michael stated in his question and information, we live in a connected world. Many of our communication methods are entirely independent of each other. Unless there's been an EMP, some pathways of communication should be working. The more that is working, the more we can start feeling assured that the scope of the event isn't the end of the world as we know it. There's no guarantees, of course, but if cell phones, automobiles, and radios are working, then we have communications and can find out the extent of whatever problem it is. Cell towers and automobiles each have their own power sources, as do cell phones. If they are all dead, then we are grid down and in the hurt locker. If they are all working, then we still may be in a bad situation, but finding out what's going on will happen sooner or later. Now, even though I know it's vastly more likely that the power will go out because a squirrel shorted out a transformer and caused a cascading failure than we have an EMP, I don't prep for the squirrel, I prep for the EMP. Why? Because the preps that work for EMPs also work when Rocky crawls across a live wire and a ground and takes down half the county doing his inmate in an electric chair impersonation. EMPs spook the living tar out of me, and the thought of a man-made or natural nationwide long-term grid-down situation is something that I fear, and that fear is some of what motivates me to keep prepping. Hopefully, this article will give you some food for thought. All right. So let me briefly talk a little bit about EMP here. There's so much information out there about EMP that we don't exactly know how it would all go down. If there was a true like Carrington event or um, the solar flare, right? But if there was an EMP, we don't know to what extent it would fry, you know, all the, the electrical components that are out there. There is some, there's been some research and I believe, I know that I've, sometimes I, I forget, did I just read it or did I read it on the podcast? But there's been some research out there that has been done with vehicles that were hit with an, uh, an EMP, right? Or electromagnetic pulse. And they still were very drivable. Uh, to the, the, the worst thing that happened to a lot of these were that, they turned off and so you just would stop them right so you would go to get to a complete stop put it back in park start the car and then get going again in one other situation i know that uh it fried maybe like the clock right some digital component in in the panel but for the most part the vehicle kept working and so you have that all the way to the other side of like everything would be completely fried and so you don't know exactly what it's going to look like or if an EMP 
was you know shot off what how how bad it would get so sometimes thinking okay my the electricity is off my phone is off but wait a minute my car is still working what's going on there or the electricity is off my car is still working and my phone is still working but then you know you know you don't always know what what that might be it's one of those things to consider now if we had a solar flare like the carrington event it's the same thing applies, you know, as powerful as the Carrington event that happened in the 1850s. We still don't know exactly to what extent that would fry the electrical components. Would it just fry the electrical lines and then it would fry everything else? Again, I've read so many articles on EMPs and solar flares that there's a lot of information out there. And so the best you can do really is you can research and you can know all the different things out there and then you can prepare kind of like what salty is talking about here is i'm not preparing for just you know uh it's a cold snap and some lines have uh you know frozen up or whatever or it's so hot and what we have here in texas is it gets so hot that everybody has their acs cranked up and or you know the electricity is going so much that we start having little brownouts because um, you know, the, we're taxing the, the grid so much because everyone is drawing electricity. And so we've experienced those types of things before. So, you know, it's one of those things to, you want to definitely be prepared. It's, it's very wise, I think, to have a blackout kit. We've talked about that before on the podcast, and I think we probably need to be revisiting it again, especially since, you know, we have hurricane season coming up. Uh, I know that there's still tornadoes like crazy going on. And I think my father-in-law was saying that somewhere up north, even uh, this weekend, that there was snow. So all of these, you know, potential weather events can bring, uh, you know, power failures, which would want you which you would want to be able to bring out your blackout kit and be able to to use that and provide light for your family in in those types of situations so um i think that's about it and that's all i wanted to share on that um it just there's just so much information on the emps and solar flares we don't know exactly one one other thing i know that michael had mentioned that he has things like in a faraday cage and then he would go to it and open it up um, there's always there's also this account that if there was truly like a solar flare EMP type stuff um, that there would be electromagnetic pulses still kind of like in the air. So you wouldn't want to go to your Faraday cage if you had a Faraday cage and if it was strong enough to you know withstand any kind of solar flaring or you know EMP or whatever that you wouldn't want to go to it right away. You want to make sure that the particles, the elect the electrical particles and stuff that are in the air, that they kind of dissipate before you do that because they could still fry electronics. And so I've read that before as well. And so there's again so much information out there. It's just good to be prepared and to uh, not go overboard, not freak out, not you know go buy your bunker and go drill down, but it's it's just smart to have some preps and to be thinking about this because our system, our our grid is very fragile. And like I mentioned before, not just the infrastructure side of it, but then the accessibility uh, of, you know, cyber terrorism, how easy it would be for them to get, I mean, all, everything is on the internet, is all controlled online. And so it would be so easy uh, for, for something like that to happen. They, 
actually they already say like the the stuff is already there right i mean there's probably no doubt that uh there's trojans and malware and all that kind of stuff just waiting for the time when they would activate it at least that's what all the fictional books <laughs> out there would have you think and uh you know sometimes i i wonder uh, that's probably true and uh, that's just my opinion on all of that so guys like always i'm going to link to this article over at beans bandages and you and uh, or beans bullets bandages and you.com i'm going to link to this article in the show notes and so you can come and click over and then uh, click on some of the links that salty provided if you're wanting to drill down and get a little bit more information on what he's talking about over here well everyone that is it for episode 584 hey don't forget to subscribe to the show you can head on over to the prepper website podcast.com and that way you never miss another episode of sweet prepper goodness and take a moment to connect with me. I have a link in the show notes so that you can join the Prepper website email list and we can be connected that way. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.